Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Yeah, what what has two thumbs and thinks the world of John Palmer? <laughs> uh, this guy right here, huh? Thank you. That's right. Yeah. I say it was a little monkey, you know, that slaps symbols to you or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's Jamil, right? Yeah, yeah, a little monkey that slaps the symbols. That's me. I, you see me slapping my symbols. Oh, yeah. I, nothing I enjoy more than slapping my symbols. <laughs> All right, yeah, we're doing another Q and A show. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing these until we work through that giant stack I printed out of uh, questions. Oh, good questions. That's the thing. I, I was looking through uh, our our Bruce Strong email, mm-hmm. and uh, you know there wasn't like a clunker question in there. There was like That's one, true. and it was about I don't know something about uh, how somebody couldn't get the our brewing classic styles or how to brew on ebook. Oh, yeah. for the Kindle. But you can, and they took it off for you know a momentary time, and they're actually working on uh, see the one of the problems with the ebook in the past uh, was that it was just a scan of the book, right. so it wasn't searchable or anything like that. Oh, okay. so somebody did, let me know about that, and I let the publisher know. I'm like, hey, we want our books in you know like a searchable format. So they're working on that and paying for that and making that happen. So uh, should should happen eventually, but. Uh, the ebook should always be available, and uh, right. and uh, you know, yeah, both stuff. how to brew and brew classic styles right. should be available. So we make a whopping, uh, you know, sixty cents off of those, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but the important thing, and the, and the reason I push, uh, you know, buying brewing classic styles is because I want you to buy it through HA or buy it through your local homebrew shop or buy it through the right. brewing network, especially. Uh, because though when you buy it through those, I guess where else do you buy it? You know, if you buy it through Amazon, Amazon doesn't need the extra box, um, and they they sell for a discount. You can get it cheapest probably at Amazon. Right. If you pay an extra few bucks and buy it through your local homebrew shop, that goes to the, directly to their bottom line, and that keeps your local homebrew shop in business. You know that right. helps. That helps right. keep them in business. And the next time that you're desperate for that pitch of yeast or that extra hops or something went wrong or whatever, you just want to go hang out and chat with somebody who's geeking out over beer like you. You're gonna wish you had your local homebrew shop. Seriously, uh, you know we're supported by you know, some of the bigger homebrew shops. You know that are national and do mail order. They are fantastic, and you want to support those guys as well. But don't forget your local homebrew shop good people and uh you know hey if if they're not then fine you know don't don't go to them but you know generally there that's who's running them is a good uh good homebrewer like yourself so uh you know support them support uh you know the brewing network you buy it by the brewing network brewing network gets a good chunk of change if you buy a book from the brewing network 
Uh, Palmer and I get pennies, but that's okay. That's not why we're. That's not why we're doing it. You know, that's why we have other jobs. <laughs> But, you know, it's important to keep in the Brewing Network, uh, you know, solvent. Uh, you know, same thing goes for the AHA. So, right. uh, you know, that's that's why you want to spend a little bit more. The nice thing about the Brewing Network is you get them signed. Right. And I'm going to be signing books today. So yeah. You so, uh, you know, you buy from the Brewing Network, you get them signed, and uh, helps helps uh, support the Brewing Network. So that's why we promote them, uh, not, not to line our own pockets. Uh, you know, which you know, <laughs> we're we're sitting on yachts, we're we're sipping pina coladas. Why why would we need uh, more more lining of our pockets? Absolutely not. I want a pina colada. Uh, yeah, no pina colada. You're, you're misunderstanding what a pina colada is. Oh, it's a drink. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. It's a fruity coconut based cocktail with rum. All right. Uh. Anyways, you know, support uh, you know, support our other you know great sponsors. sponsors. Yeah. Blickman Engineering. BlickmanEngineering.com with uh, two N's. Uh, good guy. He really is. And uh, very generous with his uh, support as well. So, you know, contact uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. Go to the website. Check it out. Um, send him an email. Yeah, send him an email. He loves it. He, he really does. loves it. He, you know, and uh, makes the guy, I wouldn't say giddy. But <laughs> <laughs> darn near. But it probably cracks a smile when he sees a, an email from a, a Brewing Network listener that says, uh, hey, you know, thanks for supporting the show. He's like, okay, so my, my money was not wasted <laughs> down some hole. Actually, somebody's listening and uh, appreciates it. So, yeah. you know, that's all. That's what he's getting out of it. So, And if you're looking for a brewing stand that can grow with you as you, you right. know, grow, in, you grow in the hobby, check out the Top Tier Brewing System. And if you get one between now and the end of January 2011... You could have Jamil and I and John come and brew with you on it. Yep. Help you set it up, help me do your first brew. You come out to your house, or you come out to my house if you want. As we threw that in, uh, Blickman and I were talking. We're like, hey, you know, actually it'd be pretty cool. You could come out to Jamil's house and yeah. uh, brew. I got a, a beautiful top-tier system. Right. You come out and brew on mine, and uh, yeah, we'll actually take you down to the to the studio with us. Uh, Palmer and I and uh, Blickman and we'll we'll sit and we'll do a show together. You can be you can be with us uh, for the show. I gotta want to know what uh, what your family thought of that when you first proposed to. Uh, they still don't bring know a few about strangers. It. <laughs> really, had <laughs> a boy. Well, you got to blame it on uh, the first uh, winner of uh, Brew with Jamel back way back when. Yeah, and I'm like, you know, Justin, tell me, oh, we're gonna have somebody brew with you. I'm like, uh, no, no, I know, I want some some freaky nut job coming coming by my house. <laughs> And uh, the guy turned out to be the sweetest, nicest guy in the world. Yeah. You know, very respectful of, you know, me, my family, and, you know, not intruding. And, you know, I had to invite him, in, and uh, he was just wonderful. And that convinced me. And, and, and also, you know, all the trips that we do out to, uh, you know, various uh, events and yeah. stuff that you and yeah. I do, uh, everybody there is just so nice. I, I've run into, like, one jerky guy once. You know, other than that, everybody, I'm like, hey, you know, next time you're out in my area, come on by. I'll I'll take care of you. You can stay at my house, whatever. I met a couple of guys in New York. Um, God, now I can't think of there's Brian and Brad or Brian and Brad and I can't think of the names. Real nice guys. I said, hey, you know, if you're out, you know, we, we were docking, having some beers and hung out with them for a while. I said, mm-hmm. you know, next time you're out in my area, you want to stay at my house? I got a room. You guys can stay. You know, a couple of brothers. Um, I, I I don't think they believed me at all. They kind of looked at me like, oh, no, he's just blowing smoke. But no, seriously, uh, if I told you to come on by, I mean, come on by. I he does. don't say anything I don't I don't mean. So, 
uh, you know, it's really cool. I, some people I, you, know, you just get along with. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, you don't you don't run into bad brewers. I mean, it's rarely. Yeah, rarely. I mean, some people are jerks, but yeah, you know, the majority of them I would I would have over to my house. So uh, you know, get yourself a, a top tier system if you're thinking about one. Uh, getting one eventually, just go ahead, pull the trigger on it. Yeah, tell yeah. the wife uh, that's your Christmas present, and or tell her that not divorcing you is your Christmas present. <laughs> and, uh, that, uh, Think of it as a is a step towards economic recovery. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Imagine all the beer you can brew on that, that bad boy. And before I forget, uh, we got another new sponsor for Brew Strong. Uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy this one. It is adamandeve.com. And it's not just for the guys. It's for the gals, too. Uh, it's for, for anybody. Uh, Adam and Eve, they've got uh, a specialty item there for uh, all you folks. Uh, no matter uh, you know which way you go. They've got uh, sex toys, vibrators, lingerie, adult movies, sexy extras. They got all sorts of uh, good stuff to, uh, let's say, enjoy yourself, or enjoy yourself with somebody else. That's that's even better. Uh, all you need to do uh, go there, check out the site AdamandEve.com. You spell out the the uh, Adam and Eve, or you can just say AdamEve.com. And uh, if you enter the code Jamel J A M I L. You'll get 50% off one item. you get three free adult DVDs. you get a free extra gift, sensual gift, and you get free shipping. So for just a couple of bucks, you're going to get yourself uh, uh, quite the, the collection of goodies. So uh, check it out. AdamandEve.com, new sponsor for Bruce Strong. All right. So uh, what we're going to do is a, uh, a Q&A show. So if you're uh, listening live, you can actually get in the, jump in the chat room. Go to thebrewingnetwork.com. There's a uh, chat now. And you jump in there, and you can ask questions, uh, and we'll answer them live on the air. Otherwise, we're going to dig through our backlog of uh, email to uh, brewstrong at thebrewingnetwork.com. So uh, what we'll do, we'll take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get right into your questions right after this. When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. BN Army, you think you're badass? Well, you are, kind of, like badass, but without the balls to blow something up. HopTech in patriotic Dublin, California, recognizes your nearly badassness with a BN Army discount on every order. But there's something those boys and girls in the real Army should know. If you have an APO address or a scan of an active PX card, HopTech salutes you as an actual badass and offers their thanks with a 15% discount on every purchase. That's the HopTech way of saying thanks. To all active military personnel, 15% off ingredients, kits, equipment, as well as games, books, gifts, and more, all at HopTech.com. 
whichever army you're a member of, any branch of the military, or the BN Army. Hoptech in Dublin says thank you with great discounts. Call 800 Dry Hops. Visit the store in Dublin, California, or go to hoptech.com. Hoptech, serving homebrewers for 28 years. Nico, listen, our lawyers said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and then to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers. When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 1842 in the province of Bohemia. Yo, this era jerky. All the beers is murky. What ho, friends? A male alewife. I don't know what I'm doing, so I got this dark malt, yeah? More stinky dark beer, yeah. No, sir. Please, wait. Just a moment. Aye, a package from the future from Northern Brewer. Use the Pilsner malt, my good man. And the Sats Hop, sucker. They ain't noble like Queen Victoria, but you can use Sterling from Portland to Astoria. Let your war caramelize and let Melanodins harmonize in a long boil. Keep your starter undercover with aluminum foil. Boo. And use it thou some bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento Chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping, and get your nasty-ass bog myrtle back to the Dark Ages, Brother Abelard. Hey, this golden lager with the happy hops pretty damn good. Thanks, Time Brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next, we dead. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of... The Time Brewers! Ewa, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two? Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby! It's the Brewing Network. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zana Chef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're doing uh, live Q and A. It's here. <laughs> it's the palm, <laughs> the, the hairy palm, and uh, and the jipper. I wish Here Palmer had with five me. sisters. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's a joke that writes oh, itself I, over I, and over again. You, you I was at bang every last one of them. Huh? No, I was at Nordstrom yesterday, uh, walking through you know on the way to the food court. And <laughs> sure, go ahead. 
Why yeah. Not? And they had this sign there that says, um, have a bring your girlfriend and 25 friends and have a lingerie party. And I turned to my wife and I said, that sounds like a great deal. Hon, who do you know? <laughs> Give me 25 of your hottest friends, dear. <laughs> lingerie, I'll know? be there. You know? Is your wife a puncher? Did she, like, uh, you know, give you one of the solar plexus? Yeah. One of the side of the <laughs> head? worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Just to see the look on her yeah. face? Yeah. My I daughter have- gave me a, you know... I often say Badly. things to my wife just to see if she'll slap me. Yeah. She never does, but... Keeps the excitement in the relationship. I think, you know, the first couple of years she may have, now she just expects it from me. I still do it. You know, now it freaks out my kids. Yeah. <laughs> they look at me. Okay, now they're sorry. at that age where it's uncomfortable. Well, no, they don't even freak out now. They just go like, Dad! They crack up, you know. So mm-hmm. who, who knows? Not me, man. All right. So we're here in the uh, studio with the Jipper, and he is uh, right. running things. I am. It's a little unusual for me and the Palmer. It's yeah. unusual to be run by anyone. Okay. All right. So we're doing live Q&A. What's our first question? Our first question actually comes from the chat. <laughs> and we have longtime friend Kim Wood on the phone. Kim, are you there? Hi. Miss Kim. Kim Wood, what's up? Hi. Hi, guys. I love you. Hello, Kim. We love you, too. John, I don't really know you that well, but I still love you, but we're going to have to get to know each other. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Little, little. Yeah, you got to join in, join in the wood tomfoolery. Yeah. So, <laughs> get to know. Um, I, yes. have a really, I have a really important question. Sure. Um, that I really just can't figure out, and I thought you guys could help me. Oh, well, I'm sure um, we know the answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to know why, for the very first time, I let Andy co-brew with me to enter for competition. And mistake. got the lowest the lowest scores that I've ever gotten compared to when I enter solo. So how do I fix this? Well, you know, it, it's it's very complex, and there's a lot of uh, inputs that that could potentially be the problem in this situation. And uh, you know, it really deserves a lot of uh, deep uh, introspect into what could possibly be the issue. But if I had to point to one thing or the other, I would point to the fact that uh, Andy is a suck-ass brewer, and you are a, an awesome brewer. So, um, you know, really what you want to do is avoid having Andy help you with anything brewing-related. Now, uh, when it comes to, you know, cleaning up the house, uh, taking care of the pets, uh, mowing the back 40... Andy's your guy. You know, when it comes to uh when it comes to anything like that, I'm sure he's more than capable, you know, or he's somewhat capable of handling those duties. But when it comes to the brewing, really, you know, Kim, you're you're the one to to yeah. handle that that aspect of things. You know, Jamil, I I gotta take a, a little different point of view on that. I think, you know, it may it's a little harsh. <laughs> but it may if you compare, you know, Andy to say Justin and Kim yes, to Chad. Exactly. That yeah, maybe a little closer to the truth. That's a beautiful, beautiful uh, relationship there. Yes, uh, you know how, how Justin uh, relies on Chad to have decent beer to drink. So, I think you know the thing to take away from this, Andy, is you're very lucky to have a woman like Kim, and uh, you know do whatever you can to hold on to her so you have good beer to drink, and then um, you know you really just don't have to focus on brewing so much anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kim will do that for you. She'll yeah, take watch you your back, dude. Hey, hey. I'm sorry to interrupt. Hey, Kim, I, I don't know who you're talking to, but your laundry is almost done, and I'll have your dinner ready soon. Yeah. Um, and I just cleaned out the cat litter. There you go. So I don't know who you're talking to, but is that okay? I, I'll be in my room. Faster. Okay. okay. Hang up. Go away. Bye-bye. 
All right, fantastic. So I'll have him clean my mash tun. I mean, clean my mash tun. And, uh, you know, all of that. Is that a euphemism for something? Well, (laughs) okay, well, great. I think you've solved my problem, and um, thank you very much. I knew I could count on you guys. Well, and Kim, I've got a a Can You Brew It beer coming up for you. Kim's going to join us as as one of our Can You Brew It uh, master brewers. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's going right, to have right, a task in hand. And as long as you don't blow it on that first one, we'll have you back for another. If, <laughs> if you blow on the first one, then, then we'll just delay, er, erase it. that uh, episode, and it never happened. See how we work things? All right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Kim. All right. Love you guys. Bye. Right, bye. Bye-bye. Always good to get a call from the woods. Yeah. Nothing more I like than having some wood. That's true. All right. What's our? Uh, we got one from the uh, email address, Bruce Strong at BrewingNetwork.com. That's right. This one's from Catfish. It says, Hi, Jamil and Jeff. <coughs> oh. You all right? Catfish Jeff. Catfish Jeff. Oh, my buddy. Uh, I have a question. I've been brewing all grain for several years. So far, I've been keeping with my system and process pretty simple. But I've recently ordered one of the new March pumps. I really want to make the most of my pump. Beyond quickly chilling my wort with an immersion chiller, what is my new pump good for? I have some ideas of recirculating mashes and pumping out of the boil kettle, but no real knowledge of what I'll be doing. Please feel free to include many jokes about pumping. Thanks, Catfish. <laughs> Which uh, you don't really have to say that last line because uh, it's, it's, it's just going to happen. It's a given. Yeah. yeah. So what uh, what can Catfish do with this pump besides uh, <laughs> pumping? Besides pumping. Well, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunities for use of a pump in a, in a brewery. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you're transferring one, you know, especially liquids, I guess uh, it's hard to do solids or, or gases with with those March pumps. But uh, liquid wise, uh, what I use my March pump for is uh, re- recirculating the mash, the liquid from <laughs> the mash, and I recirculate it through a, uh, a Herm system or what uh, Morbid calls a smart system, which is uh, goes through a coil that's sitting in a uh, hot liquor tank and then back up to the mash, and that uh, keeps the mash temperature steady or allows you to do steps. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I like about that is it is it uh, clarifies the wort, so you don't have to do that recirculation step at the end. Right. And, uh, you know, sets a nice bed and things like that and uh, helps with, uh, you know, extraction of flavor and color and things like that. So I, I really like that. You can uh, transfer your your sparge water. I use it to uh, pump the sparge water up to the top of the mash right. and uh, let it drain out of my kettle. You could actually use a pump to pump from the kettle to your – or from your mash tun to your uh, kettle mm-hmm. if you want to do that or from a grant to your kettle. And so you could use multiple pumps. Uh, when it comes time for transferring uh, – for uh, chilling, um, I use a Whirlpool chiller. Right. And uh, you see on MrMalty.com, uh, I will uh, you know pump the liquid out and back up into the uh, into the kettle to cause a whirlpool to, to effect, and it chills much more rapidly. And I get the whirlpool, so I get a, a cone of uh, break material in the center. Uh, that works really well. And then um, in the past, I used to pump my wort once the kettle was done. I would pump it from there. Uh, about 25 feet to the uh, refrigerator where the, uh, the the conical was and, uh-huh. uh, you know, pump it into there for fermentation. So you do that, you can even pump your, your beer after it's done. I wouldn't do, a you know, some of these things I, I worry about as far as, uh, you Inadvertent know, oxidation. oxidation or, you know, contamination or things like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, on the hot side, you know, use your pump for any sort of transfer you need. Yeah, I, I find it real convenient um, to be able to step away from the 
the strict gravity, you know, three-tier gravity-fed system. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, in, unless you've got, you know, a variety of stepladders around your brewery, mm-hmm. it's nice to have everything on the same level, mm-hmm. you know, right at, right at uh, you know, sh- below shoulder height so you don't have to stand on your tiptoes to, you know, stir something. You can just right. stir right there at a, a comfortable level and then use the pump to transfer the work mm-hmm. between vessels. Well, that whole tiptoe thing, it reminds me of Dr. Scott, who um, I believe he runs a uh, – uh, doesn't Dr. Scott run a level uh, system, JP, from uh, – doesn't he run one of those flat uh, where all the vessels are the same height? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And he uses pumps from, from one to the other. And one of the other things that Dr. Scott does, he will uh, – uh, he made a um, – Pole dancing or <laughs> – no, he made a. Uh, He's not very good at that. A, a keg cleaner, carboy cleaner. Uh, so you oh, use yeah. a pump for that, and you're essentially recirculating the liquid up into the uh, carboy or keg, and s- like a spray ball and, and CIP cleaning that thing, mm-hmm. and then uh, using the pump for that. That's another great use of a pump. Yep. Uh, so you can use it for cleaning. You use it on the hot side. We'd avoid using that kind of pump on a uh, on the cold side once you're past your boil. Uh, that's where it starts to get a little little iffy, you know, unless you're True. totally... Uh, yeah. But uh, good question. Yeah, and I guess um, one final thought is that you put a, a ball valve on the outflow of the pump to regulate yes. uh-huh. flow. Not on the in- inflow, but on the outflow. Absolutely. Yeah, I was in uh, Fargo. Wonderful place, Fargo. and it is. And great people. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to out there. I could live out there. Oh, Absolutely. sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you betcha. You betcha. Oh, yeah. I, one person says you betcha. You know, everybody else doesn't. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I I just loved it out there. And uh, uh, one one guy, he had uh, troubles with his March pump. And he's like, you know, it just stops pumping. You know, it fills up with air and well, it just stops pumping. So he's ended up like, you know, uh, having – he's like, it's more work than not having a pump. And what it turned out to be was – he had kind of a a J band uh, pickup in his uh, keg. Uh, he had a converted keg for his hot liquor tank, mm. and that J band was filling up completely with air, and it would pull little bits of air, you know, and and they'd collect in the pump impeller, and then the pump would stop. Yeah. And so at one point, I got him. You know, we worked with it and got all the air blown out of the lines and then it worked perfectly and uh you know she so was much happier once once uh, he got that working i told him to take the j band off and just put more water in his hot liquor tank you know not worry about picking it up off the bottom it's yeah you know a little bit of just just plain water so uh uh you know with that a pump it can be just a great advantage i mean it, it makes things more consistent uh you know cuz the pump doesn't get tired it just works the same all the time and, uh, you know, something like uh, sparging, I do that with a float switch. So it just turns on when it needs to pump the sparge oh, yeah. rod. I walk away, you know. Same thing on mash temp. I don't worry about mash temp. So I love having a pump. A uh, pump is a, is a great tool to have. All right. Great question, Jeff. Uh, catfish. Uh, keep on listening, buddy. Uh, another question? Please do it. Sure. Right. Uh, since you mentioned, mentioned, since you mentioned uh, Whirlpool, Mm-hmm. Uh, we have mm-hmm. a couple questions about a whirlpool. One's from Henry, mm-hmm. um, uh, and the other is from Jesse. And uh, J- Jesse's questions will answer Henry's questions, but I will like to say that uh, okay. Henry signed off his email with, and I'm loco for them locos. So, Henry, yeah. appreciate that. Uh, so, Jesse says, All hey, guys. All two of us locos. What's that? All two of us locos. All two of you. We're, we're two loco. 
We're not four loco. We're two loco. <laughs> That's right. You're you're better than that. You're condensed. Uh, hey guys, I listen to your podcast religiously. Yet I have a couple of questions based on some of your suggestions. First, about me, I've only been brewing for about three years, and I'm currently an extract only slash partial boil brewer. Here's my scenario. When I boil a, a batch, three gallons or so, it's on an electric stovetop. My brew kettle is a four- to five-gallon pot without a valve to drain on it. My typical process is to add my immersion chiller 15 minutes before the end of the boil and then cool the wort as soon as the boil is done. From there, I pour the wort into my better bottle using a funnel. My issue is that the majority of the trube from my kettle is making its way into my fermenter. This leads me to my questions. Uh, one, you have advised not to transfer a wort into a secondary fermenter. However, I presume that recommendation is based on less trube being in the primary. Considering that the majority of what is in my kettle is ending up in the fermenter, should I still be transferring to a secondary fermenter when fermentation is done? Two, short of getting new equipment, uh, is there an effective way to use my setup to do a whirlpool? Will having my immersion chiller in the pot interfere with the whirlpool? Should I try siphoning the wort from the outside of the kettle instead of pouring it? Should I invest into a ball valve to add to my kettle? Uh, and the last question is, when whirlpooling, should it be done before or after the wort is cooled? I was under the impression that it was optimal to cool the wort as fast as possible after the boil, but it sounds like you were recommending to whirlpool before cooling, wait 30 minutes, and then cool. I know it's a lot, uh, so I'll run down them if you want. But uh, Right. So, wow, so many things. Um, yeah. I'll start with the ones I can remember and then remind <laughs> me of the ones that I can't. Uh, you know, the, the whole whirlpool, um, while hot or cold, uh, the reason for whirlpooling really, uh, the reason I'm using a whirlpool chiller is that, uh, it cools the wort far more efficiently than, uh, not whirlpooling. So it's, it's just a matter of cooling very rapidly. So what I would do is, uh, you know, stir while it's hot, give it a Get it stirred real fast and going, and then uh, put the lid on and, and turn the cooling on, and you'll you'll experience much faster cooling, and it's just more efficient. Uh, you know, it's a better use of your time and resources. Because you're moving the wort past the chiller, right? And you're getting hot wort again past the chiller instead. Because what happens is the coils they get surrounded by cold wort. You know, as you as it chills, if you don't replace that with hot wort, then it just kind of insulates itself and nothing happens. Um, the other thing is, uh, you know, as far as forming a whirlpool tube pile in the middle. Uh, you know, if you get it stirring enough uh, and get it going, the what happens is the the particles move from the the faster traveling outside part of the wort to the inside where the wort's moving slowly. They start to drop to the bottom. You know, they'll pass through all these these layers, but when the wort's not moving, which is right in the center of the 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 kettle. Uh, in the whirlpool, they those things will drop straight to the bottom. If they're you know, traveling, otherwise they'll they'll keep going. So that's what why it, it forms that that cone pile in the middle. Um, you know, as far as siphoning off the side or adding a uh, a ball valve, if you can add a ball valve and have like a you know sanitary way of adding that and making sure it's always sanitary and leak proof. Then uh, great, you know you can add a ball valve. That's a nice, convenient way. Uh, otherwise, you know, siphon off from the edge, and you know, just siphon carefully. You should be able to get fairly clean uh, wort out from from your kettle. You know, once it's cooled, you know, then you let it settle. You don't settle while it's hot. 
you could, but um, yeah, whirlpool and then chill and let it settle. As far as brake material in the fermenter, it's generally not that big a deal, especially for ales. But it's a big a deal when it's a big a, a deal when you um, when you uh, are looking to repitch your yeast. You want a, a yeast pitch just full of you know brake material and bacteria and hops yeah. and all sorts of crud. Uh, mixed in with it, you know the the those break materials they can coat they can form a coating on the on the yeast cells and actually impact viability of the yeast. So that's one of the reasons that you don't. But if you're not repitching your yeast, it doesn't matter at all, really, or you know it matters very little as far as flavor impact goes. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Uh, the thing is, if you're boiling concentrated wort and then you are drawing off and worrying about leaving behind break material and not drawing off enough of the wort, you know, that's going to affect your ability your yield, to yeah. hit your, your target gravity. So I would kind of worry about that. Um, so there's all the ones I could remember. <laughs> what, what didn't I cover? Uh, good question. Um, I think the, <laughs> the main one was uh, when we're pulling, should it be done before or after the wort is cooled? Right. So after the word is cooled is when you okay. transfer, but you know you yep. whirlpool at the very beginning, and the idea with the pump is you're whirlpooling continuously until it's cooled, and then you shut off the pooling. pump, you let it settle, and you know while it's cold. But uh, you know if you don't have that, go ahead and give it a vigorous stir, put the lid back on, and then you know don't touch it, and you'll get better cooling, and you let it settle, and just let it cool all the way down, and then go ahead and transfer. Yeah, there, there's. I think, I think some brewers have gotten confused from from reading the emails. Looks like they're a little confused on whirlpooling and whirlpool chilling as we talk about it versus whirlpooling as a professional brewer uh-huh. does it in their facility. Uh-huh. Um, there, the whirlpool at, at a at a big brewery is you know uh, trub separation mm-hmm. uh, before it goes in the fermenter, right? And uh, not so much. They're not whirlpooling to to chill. Mm-hmm. They're just whirlpooling to do trub separation. Right. What what we talk and they'll about, whirlpool hot for thirty minutes. Yeah, fifteen to thirty minutes, and and you're actually getting isomerization during that time. And right, you know your hop character changes and all that stuff. Yeah, and we like to kind of like you know stop that right away and lock in our hop flavor and and not do that. Right. Yeah. It it's it's. Uh, Two different techniques, mm-hmm. and with little different, uh, little different desire coming out of each of them. But uh, in terms of the, uh, the what we're trying to do with whirlpool chiller, we're one, you know, stirring the wort so that the, the trub settles into a cone at the center of the thing, allowing you to transfer less trub to the fermenter. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, by using the pump with the immersion chiller, uh, you're continually moving. A hot wort past mm-hmm. the chiller, mm-hmm. and you end up with a more efficient chilling that way. Right, right. So Absolutely. those are the two key points of what we're we tend what mm-hmm. we talk about. Mm-hmm. Well, and people will also do this with um, not just the immersion chiller, but they'll do it with uh, uh, the Blickman uh, Therminator, mm-hmm. and you can do that as well. The, the The trick there is to devise some way of keeping the hot hop bits from flowing through the Therminator. Blickman right. has his hot blocker. 
Mm-hmm. And that's one way you can use scrubbies or things like that. Right. Because uh, you just don't want a bunch of hot bits getting stuck in the Thermidor and blocking it up. Yeah, because that uh, does Because the passages are real small. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was one of the reasons it's so efficient in cooling. But if you have a Thermidor, you can do that and recirculate back into the kettle and uh, get nice, uh, rapid uh, chilling of the entire volume. Because one of the things about counterflow chillers is uh, you're only chilling a small portion of the wort first. So the rest of it's sitting hot, you know, you're actually, you know, if you're boiling short, you're generating DMS, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're affecting your hop character. Um, you know, it, it just depends how fast you move it out, what kind of mm-hmm. water temperature you have, things like that. But, uh, you know, that's one, of the, one other option yeah. as far as uh, when, I, when I used a, uh, an immersion chiller, I had, a, I had a real large, you know, 50-foot, half-inch coil immersion chiller. And, you know, whether I was doing a 5-gallon or 10-gallon batch in a converted keg, I'd pick up the whole chiller and swirl move, it around. Right. Move the whole chiller. I would around. rock the entire kettle. Yeah, you know, and get the wort swirling. Yeah, and then I'm standing there sloshing boiling wort over my wrists, and I'm thinking, "There's going to be an easier way." Oh, I got a pump. Let me let me try pumping it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. all right. No, good question. Let's do this. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll get back to a couple more wort wort uh, chilling questions. Back after this. Since 1921, Mundins has been a provider of quality malted grain and extract. What did he just say? What did he say? That's 90 years of locally sourced grain for home brewers and professional brewers alike. All farmed within 50 miles of our malt houses. What? I can't understand what this guy says. last part. Whole and crushed malts, including wheat and peated malt, liquid extract, hopped and unhopped, as well as dried malt extract. Everything from beginner home brewer kits to all the ingredients an infant's home brewer needs. Something about trains? What? Language is this guy speaking? He's from Austria. <laughs> Mundins is proudly serving brewers in 54 countries and honored to be a leader in mowing. Can you understand this guy? No. <laughs> That's a really free language. For Muntins Malt and Malt Extract at your local home brew shop. Muntins, for brewing, distilling, and baking. Quality malted grain and extract for 90 years. Make your malt Muntins. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerones know beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious. Cicerones are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. 
Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for any economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zalashev and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard. And polish your style accuracy with Jamil. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewingnetwork or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're deep in the middle of uh, Q&A. Having loads of fun here in the studio. It's always uh, always a joyous time, yes. even this holiday season. When you're thinking of others, <laughs> just have a beer or whatever. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. Uh, next question in our our lineup of uh, joy. That's my question. That's my turn. Yes. <laughs> right, your your yeah. cue to speak. Just settling things down here. Um, this is uh, specific to Palmer. Heretic. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, from Dan. He goes, John, big fan of the book and big fan of Bruce Strong. As a metallurgist, I thought this question would be right up your alley. Alloy? Uh, for, uh, <laughs> right up your alloy. <laughs> wow. you Engineer humor. That's a good joke. <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, okay. I have a copper chiller that is a little too big for my kegel and has become quite ugly looking from forcing it in and out of the opening. I'd like to, re- <laughs> I'd like to reform it, uh, but it seems to have Beat undergone... Beat it and tell it it's bad. <laughs> it seems to have undergone significant work hardening. Can I just throw it in my oven at 250 degrees for an hour, let it cool, then rebend? Uh, and then he gives you a link, but it didn't show up here. Is that, here they list typical annealing temperatures of alloy 122 at 700 to 1200 degrees Fahrenheit. This would probably be not worth the energy. Thanks for all the good info. I owe most of my brewing knowledge to you. Ah, Regards, I like Dan. That. So how does he, uh, how does he uh, redo his copper chiller? Um... Can he? The the oven at two fifty won't be hot enough, really, um, unless you well leave it for days. But uh, 
the faster way would be to um, either throw in the oven and take it up to like 500 degrees, um, and that would definitely uh, do more to anneal it, or use a yeah, propane it was, torch. It's like 1,500 or 2,000 or... Well, re, one of the, I think you was talking also recrystallization where you get some mm-hmm. ductility back, but... Um, the kind of an easier way is to take a propane torch mm-hmm. and just run that over right. it, and uh, you see the color change. Yeah, yeah, and then you can um, that'll that allow you to do local areas where you want to bend it. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily have to do the whole thing, right? But um, if if like your penis leans to the curves to the left, you can do the same thing with a propane torch. I wouldn't use you a, propane. Get a real curve going on. Yeah, you, know, I, the, you see those porn movies, the guys like you know. <laughs> Like they need, Moby they, Dick and they it's need like, to switch hands. That's what they need to do. <laughs> uh. Remind you, we drink during these shows. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm sorry for interrupting the question. Yes. So finish it. Um, yeah, full annealing. Uh, you want to go to higher temperatures. Uh, propane torch works well. Or uh, you could go go hotter in a, in a conventional oven, like 500 degrees. Uh, just make sure you take the uh, rubber washers out of the, any fittings you may have so that it's mm-hmm. all metal in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple hours would do it. Right. Okay. <laughs> Look at John's eyes. Like, <laughs> Why in the world am I doing this show with this guy? <laughs> you got nobody better for me to do this show with? Well, and the sad news is you don't have a contract to run out either, John. That's right. right. You're just for the rest here. of your life. Yeah. yeah we so got you. Whatever. Yeah. whatever first, uh, first they changed producers they said, on you. said, yeah, with, uh, you know, I'm here. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. That's what I was telling John. I said, you know you're on your way out when uh, they suddenly give you a new producer. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. And then they change the format. You know, yeah. we, can't, we can't go top tier on you anymore. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right, here's a, a, a Actually, quick we've got one. somebody, like, listening to the show now, which is, is quite a joy. Well, you we know, have a couple uh, JP, people. You, I, well, name I meant Kim. you, JP. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> you know, thank you. Justin, he doesn't listen. He, he has no idea what's going on in the show. Yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm interested because I'm new. All right. Give me You'll, a few shows, and then I'll just be yeah, you know, by, surfing porn by, to, on the By the next show, show, yeah, it'll be exactly. It's like, oh, well, uh, what are you doing over there? No, just enjoying myself. Yeah, oh, that's show. all. All right. Uh, all right, here's one from Death Rider in the chat. Uh, it's a pretty basic one, which I kind of like. Question for Jay-Z and Palmer. If I go to a 10-gallon system, what's the minimum ideal mash ton size? 10-gallon uh, batch. Uh, you're going to want a... You can... Mm-hmm. You really want um, of like a fifteen gallon or a twenty gallon pot to mash in? You can do it with a. You can do ten gallon batch beers. If if your ten gallon batch you're boiling for sixty minutes, then uh, you can get away with a just just about fifteen gallons should do. You know, you can you can work out like a depending on how much dead space you have in that that mash tun. Right. Uh, you should be able to do thirty some odd pounds of grain, and should be able to do something like a doppelbock, um, ten gallons of doppelbock. Right. That's if you're doing a sixty minute boil. It, it's easy. If you're going up to a ninety minute boil, then the keg, the the boil kettle te- tends to boil over. Yeah. Uh, it depends. So it depends on the size of your boil kettle. If you if your boil kettle is ten gallons, then you're you're screwed. You're never going to do a 10-gallon batch of beer. If your boil right. kettle is about 15 gallons, a 15-gallon mash ton should get you close to a 10-gallon yeah. batch of, of most beers. Uh, you know, if you, like John's saying, if you do a 20, um, you've you got a lot more flexibility and a lot more room. When, when yeah. you're dealing with a 15, 
you're got grain all the way to the top. You're reducing your water to grist ratio. You're doing a lot yeah. of things. To you make got that you have happen. to you have to fly sparts that right. You know to, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, fifteen will do it. Twenty is nicer. Um, you know, one of the nice things, you know, yeah, it's plugging the sponsor, but uh, it's one of the nice things about the Blickman systems is you can take. When you have a top-tier system and you have one of those burners, you can put any size pot keg, keg yeah. pot, whatever, on those things. They've got adjustable feet that, that kind of hold it in and steady so mm-hmm. it doesn't uh, slide off and kill you. And so you can you, you could you could do a 15 or a 20. You can you can swap out uh, whatever size you have, mm-hmm. and, and that works really well. Yeah. Also, from, from a mash ton point of view, you can – that's that's when people tend to go to the rectangular coolers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, where you've got a, like a 30 gallon cooler right that right. Um, you know you're only you're only filling it up maybe halfway mm-hmm. with the uh with the grain because mm-hmm. you've got enough floor space mm-hmm. put in a big slotted copper manifold right, and you can right. mash very well on that and again i you know not to, not like i'm pimping anything for uh blickman but you know, one of the nice things about the top tier, again, the, yep. that I really love is you can swap out uh, different, uh, you know, you, you can start with just a shelf that'll hold that mash, the mash tun for you. Right. And then later on, if you want to go with a heated mash tun or something like that, you can go to a burner and, and that'll hold it as well. So yeah. uh, lots of options there. The, the thing I love about it best is I can reconfigure it myself. Right. I can put on different pieces, parts. I can put them in different positions, different heights. So that's that's what I, I feel is the real value of that that yeah. system. Yeah, you buy it and you're you're using it ten years later because it you right you'll you've always able be able it. to yeah adjust yeah good stuff. All right, uh, you got another one for us, JP. Good answer, guys. I'm glad you think so. Uh, here, He's paid to say that. I am paid. Well, I'm not really paid to say it. I'm paid in beer. Uh, which is kind of nice because I get a ride home today, too. So I can get all crunked out. Uh, this one's from John, and he writes into Brew Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com. And if you want to be like John, you can, too. Uh, write in your questions, and the guys will answer them. Uh, I'm a home brewer in Brazil, and I live... Brazil. I live... Uh, no. I'm a home brewer in Brazil, and as I live far from other brewers... When I, when I think of Brazil, I think of like Brazilian butts and thongs and... No, that's not wrong at all, man. I'm sure John thinks about that every time he writes Brazil, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He goes, I'm in Brazil. Big old booties. <laughs> um, he lives uh, far from other brewers, and uh, the mail from the States is not really fast enough for liquid yeast. I have to make do with dry yeast. Mm. I recently learned that there is evidence that dry yeast need not be aerated or oxygenated. What mm-hmm. is Jamil and John's take on this question? Thanks for all the great shows, John. Hmm. Well, That's for him, problem. I would suggest that he buy a good dry yeast, like, you know, 1056 or something like that. Mm. Um, they and call it USO5. USO5, okay. Um, get a good dry yeast and then... Uh, 1056 is a product name of the Y yeast corporation. That's true, yeah. Uh, so you start with the dry yeast, mm-hmm. rehydrate it, build a starter, mm-hmm. um, and then keep that culture going. Mm-hmm. You know that becomes then a liquid yeast culture that he's working mm-hmm. with, mm-hmm. and um, so that just you've got to you've got to ranch that yeast, keep feeding right. it, keep right. cultivating it, mm-hmm. and um, that that cuts down on. Um, well, then he he doesn't he doesn't have to worry about buying a liquid yeast right. uh, and trying to get that there in, in any kind of freshness. 
um, he's got a, a good, strong yeast um, bank oh. himself. You know, and the issue with that is only um, if you can maintain the sanitation required to have, you know, very clean yeast cultures. If you're if you're going to keep repitching that liquid yeast, you, you really need to be very careful. So there's a couple of things when you're dealing with dry yeast. And I think the question is kind of like, well, I can only get dry yeast. How do I deal with dry yeast? I think, you know, that's an excellent uh, uh, thought, John, is... You know, once you've grown it for a uh, a batch, then it's essentially a liquid yeast. Because what happens when they dry a yeast? They're you know the yeast are going to express these uh, proteins, these heat shock proteins that are all you know become part of the yeast. So you know one of the, if you if you brew a batch of beer with dry yeast and with liquid yeast, and one of the reasons we recommend liquid yeast, if you brew a batch with dry yeast and liquid yeast side by side, you will get um, you know, a slightly different flavor from the dry yeast. You tend to get a, t- a t- touch more sulfur. I, uh, I, my perception is touch more sulfur, kind of like a peachy ester. You get a different level of attenuation, a lot of little different things, and the the beers will taste different. Not necessarily bad. And as if you're brewing a high flavor beer, like a you know an American West Coast type of IPA, mm-hmm. you can definitely do dry yeast, and it, it turns out quite well. Um, when you're doing something more subtle, I think you really, you know, yeast that's been dried is not necessarily the way to go. Now, like you're saying, you can go ahead and, and, and grow that up and get get away from the the cells that were stressed by the drying process. Right. A uh, couple things on dry yeast. One is if you're going to use dry yeast to start with, you always rehydrate your, your dry yeast properly. Don't listen to the thing that says sprinkle it on a hobble. That's because they think a home brewer is an idiot and can't rehydrate the yeast properly will right. kill the yeast. You know, they'll use too hot or too cold. or And too hot or too cold will kill the yeast. Mm-hmm. And sprinkling it on top of your wort will kill 50% of the cells. At mm-hmm. least 50% of the cells are getting dead. So half that yeast you're going to put in your half of the yeast that you've bought and you've put into your beer is dead yeast. Not to mention the, the you know, even if properly maintained in a refrigerated condition, you're losing about 4% a month uh, on that, that yeast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're, you get a whole bunch of dead yeast falling into the bottom of your fermenter and then they're starting to break down. That's where you worry about yeast breaking down and why people right. got into the whole secondary thing. If you're starting with fresh, healthy, vibrant yeast, you don't have that problem. So I think, you know, John, maybe uh, the best thing is, you know, rehydrate and then make a starter and, uh, you know, grow it up like there. Now, the whole thing about not needing oxygen, right. which is what his question was, is the dry yeast manufacturers, they ramp these, these yeast cells up to get to the maximum triolose, uh, glycogen, all those reserves. Right. And then they go ahead and dry them. So, in theory, you know, you pitch enough yeast and uh, you rehydrate it properly, and that yeast is 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 going. You don't need any oxygen in order to fully ferment out that batch of beer, right? Because you got How, enough yeast cells to start with, right? However, that's going to affect flavor because one of the things that affects flavor is you know when you add oxygen, you have yeast growth. That yeast growth. Drives D- determines ester flavor. Yeah. yeah, esters, fusels, all those things are dependent on the yeast growing. And if you pitch enough that you don't have growth, then your beer character changes. I did an experiment with that with lager yeast and pitching enough that there was essentially no need for growth. 
and the beer was great. It was clean, and it attenuated out, but it didn't taste right. It was a little bit insipid, I thought. Mm-hmm. It didn't taste. Right. There was something different about that beer. So, you know, you need to have some growth. So uh, oxygen is one of the nutrients that the yeast uses in order to grow properly. Um, you know, that's essentially, uh, you know, a big part of it. Yeah. If um, I, th- I think one one point Jamil made is, is key. <clears throat> Whether you pitch enough dry yeast to not need to aerate, you will get a beer. You get you'll get a good beer, right. but it's going to be a different beer than if you had um, used dry yeast, rehydrated, grew it up, or used liquid yeast and grew that up in a starter. They're going to be two different beers, mm-hmm. uh, even mm-hmm. for the same strain of yeast. Right. So, uh, you know, just it's uh, pick pick what's most convenient for you, um, and then work with it. All right. Great. Ready for another one? Sure. Yeah, he's saying uh, great. He's starting to not pay attention. That's, well, that's you know, what Justin says. I could run the show or something. Yeah, he's uh, working the board. He's working the chat. He's working right. the, the questions. I'm working yeah, the paddle. He's, he's, what? Uh, this he's doing one, a good job. <laughs> thank you. Uh, except for coughing in the mic like a noob. Uh, this one is uh, from the chat. It's from Fulls Brewing. F-Y-L-S Brewing. And he goes, uh, Q, brewing a barley wine will end up bottling. After initial fermentation, is it better to put in secondary to age or bottle and age? How long for primary and secondary? So he wants to age it in the bottle, but he doesn't know if he should put it in a primary, then a secondary, and then bottle it, or just primary it and then bottle it and age it. I'd say primary and bottle it. Depends on how what is yeast was going into it, really. Right, right. You know, the only reason to secondary is that... Uh, you want to do another stage with the with the wort, you know, as far as uh, fermenting out some fruits or you know some other flavors like oak or something like that, or uh, uh, you know dry hopping things like that. Now, JP, you do do a lot of uh, oak aging of beer. Do you do secondaries? Uh, I would think you do. Um, I well, I don't because uh, mm-hmm. I have a conical fermenter. Mm-hmm. Um, you drop the yeast and I then drop you, the right. yeast and I do all that and then I rack into a keg mm-hmm. and then I just put my oak in there or my nibs or, mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. or whatever but I right. don't uh, um, so maybe in a secondary if you're using a conical well, it would be like transferring to a keg right. and let that drop and then well and you do it in your keg. keg and then you know when you get the right flavor you go ahead and transfer to another keg or um, actually I, I just kind of let it go mm-hmm just to see what happens. I've done that too. It's I, like, but oh, that's who cares? all I do. Yeah, and and I've left uh, nibs on the, some scotch ale I had for like ten months, and mm-hmm. it was almost a little too. It started getting some tannin. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, eight months I think is the minimum yeah. or maximum for that stuff. But yeah, that's what I do. I just I leave the oak on, and I like seeing how it changes over time because I'm not really a competition. Right. Brewer, I just I like seeing right. how these things are are working. So, but the only reason for you know doing a secondary, so the the reasons against secondary is that it stirs up everything and it's going to take longer to clear again. You know, it doesn't enhance clearing; it actually slows down clearing. The other thing is, um, you know, if there's a a big pile of yeast, especially if you pitch dry yeast, go back to the previous question, if you go pitch a bunch of dry yeast without rehydrating and it's all laying there on the bottom barfing up its guts mm-hmm. into your beer, then, well, yeah, you need to rack that off quickly. That's where the whole secondary thing came up. Right. Um, but if you've got healthy yeast, 
you know, a good healthy yeast is not going to die that quickly, especially in the home brewer situation where you've got a carboy, a thin layer of yeast across the bottom, not a lot of hydrostatic pressure, not a lot of heat buildup, things like that. It's going to be fine for weeks. If not, the, the, the liquid yeast companies would not be able to sell you a product. Right. If it died completely within a week or two weeks, you wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to sell you a product. You know, all that, you know, transferring off comes from the commercial brewers where you've got a hundred barrels pressing down on, you know, yeah. a cake of yeast in the bottom that's concentrated in this cone. Twelve it's, feet deep. Yeah, and it's not being, uh, it's not insulated, it's not jacketed, and it gets really hot, and the, the temperature can be, you know, much higher in, in the middle of the cone, uh, in, in the uh, yeast, uh, and... You know, it's there like a, you're running into a problem. Yeah, it's like a compost pile at that point. A very good analogy. So, uh, you know, there you need to worry about it. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, as far as the homebrew otherwise, you know, you transfer to secondary really just, uh, you know, when you have a specific reason to do it. Otherwise, in, in this case, barley wine, let it ferment out completely. You want the yeast to, uh, especially in a barley wine, uh, you know, in higher gravity brew, diacetyl, uh, acetaldehyde, things like that, you want to make sure it's completely uh, consuming those compounds and you're getting a, you know, a good clean beer to start with. And then, uh, you know, you can age in the bottle. I like bulk, bulk aging, um, mm-hmm. but uh, you can age in the bottle as well. If you were to transfer at that point to a keg, evacuate all the CO, the air with CO2, and bulk age in a keg, I think that's better than a, in the bottle personally, but mm-hmm. really doesn't matter. But yeah. no, I wouldn't do it at room temperature in another glass vessel with a right. big headspace on it. No, no. The, one of the one of the key aspects of bottle aging a beer is that you're introducing a, a small, you know, small percent of oxygen that results in a little bit of staling, a little bit of yeast growth. Um, it it changes the beer from what it was, you know, in the keg. Um, and, you know, in a style like barley wine or another heavy style like cold ale, you know, you're, you, sometimes you're looking for that little bit of oxidative character mm-hmm. as just some added complexity. You know, because you, you've got such a big beer that adds some accent. Um, and so you can do that and you can and you can uh, be happy with that kind of uh, edge on it. Um, but... Uh, I, I agree. You know, doing a doing a secondary uh, at this stage of of yeast health, we don't need to. It's right, right. Yeah. All right. Let's take a short break, and uh, when we come back, we'll we'll wrap up this uh, Q and A session. Uh, back after this. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot, and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust. The top-tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal. Configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future. 
Your brewing stand should adapt with you, not force you to learn a new process. Visit BlickmanEngineering.com today to configure your top-tier brewing stand and to find a local Blickman retailer. You'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price. Start brewing with Blickman from the top tier. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah, mother... White Labs. It's all in the vial. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. Seven Bridges has the best selection of organic ingredients, including over 27 varieties of organic hops at breworganic.com. Join their mailing list for special deals and regular updates. They've been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for 13 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. And Seven Bridges is the proud host of the fourth annual National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Take the challenge this fall for a chance to win great prizes, including stainless steel brew kettles and organic brewing ingredients. This year, the challenge will be judged in two locations, on the East Coast at Capital City Brewing in Arlington, Virginia, and on the West Coast at Gordon Biersch in San Jose, California. For complete details, visit breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to great beer and people-friendly business practices. They offer environmentally friendly, fair trade, and fair wage brewing products whenever possible. Seven Bridges, breworganic.com. Downtown Joe's, located in the historic Oberon Building in beautiful downtown Napa, California, offers an award-winning brew pub experience from 8.30 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. For 15 years at the corner of 2nd and Main, Downtown Joe's has been voted Best Night Spot seven times and Best Brew Pub for the last four years in a row. Brewmaster Colin Kaminsky's handcrafted ales, like his Tailwagon Amber Ale and Double Secret Probation IPA, are the perfect accent to riverside dining, live music, and a relaxing outdoor patio. 
Don't miss the Beer of the Month, Special Rotating Taps, and the BN Army Member Special. Wear your BN gear, get 10% off your beer. Visit downtownjoes.com to make reservations, peruse their extensive calendar of events, or just read more about their fantastic beers. Come enjoy the fine beer, food, and music. Downtown Joe's, the award-winning brew pub where you'll feel at home. This is Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're uh, wrapping up our second hour of uh, Bruce Strong Q&A questions, and yeah. that means we're about, what, eight pints into it? Yeah. We're the guys, I, I just thought this a little while ago, we're the guys that turn fear into beer. Uh, we do. <laughs> so the more scared you are, the more beer you can have. That's what that means. No, not quite. <laughs> but... Yeah, see, I don't tot- I, I totally don't understand what the hell. Okay, you well, mean, you know, other other guys will say, you know, we fear no beer, but uh, we turn fear, fear into good beer, or right. you know, brewing sure. brewing fear into good beer, yeah. or something like that. New shirt. Well, I, I get we it. turn fear into beer. Brew yeah. strong, huh? Yeah, that's okay, right. yeah, that's, that's your new shirt right there. You're not that's... afraid to brew anything. You'll all, you'll brew whatever I want. I don't yeah, care. I'm we'll... not afraid to do it because I have the knowledge of brew strong. Exactly. Right. That's what we want to promote. <laughs> Palmer, you and I. We, we got we, yeah, we got the shirt. We're gonna, we're You've gonna... been a Saturn? Hey, I've been a Saturn. No, Beetlejuice, okay. Uh, all right. What do you think? More questions? More questions. Question from the chat. Question from the chat from... My homies hanging out with us. Disco Fetus. Disco Fetus. I'm Disco Fetus. Yeah, you are. He uh, goes, uh, when priming with brown sugar for bottling, how do you adjust for the weight when using Palmer's graph? Uh, I'm assuming there's some sort of graph ah, you have. Okay. He um, goes, uh, using standard sucrose, that is. Yeah. Um, standard sucrose, uh, no water in it. So um, you're getting um, 100% of the, uh, the potential into, you know, for priming. Uh, so if you look at the nomograph in Chapter 11, I think it is, um, that's giving you a weight of sucrose. Now, brown sugar, if you turn to chapter, I think it's 19 or 20. Howtobrew.com. Yeah. How to brew. How to brew. Third um, edition, available in the Brewing Network store. Signed. Right. By John Palmer himself. And you won't find this information online, on the online version. Oh, you're boned if you're, you're <laughs> a cheap-ass <laughs> online user. Just um, buy a freaking copy, for God's right? sakes. Yeah, but in, in, the, in the third edition... Um, uh, chapter 19 or 20, I've got a table where I talk about the different amount of fermentables in different sugars, honey, brown sugar, molasses, mm-hmm. etc., mm-hmm. and the percent water. Mm-hmm. So um, it, the bottom line is uh, if you say that you know the, the, this particular sugar is 10% water and um, say 90% fermentable, well, you've got to take Add 10% more? Yeah. Got to take ten or some more. See, how I did that quick math. Mm-hmm. And then, and then adjust so to sucrose. If you need, uh, let's say it's um, six ounces of sucrose, then you need to add ten percent to make six up for the moisture. Six ounces. There you go. See, I did that math really quick. And then, if it's only ninety percent fermentable, then you've got to add another ten percent. <laughs> right, right. 
to fermentability. Come that. Right. But brown sugar is pretty much fermentable just like sucrose is. And it here's is. here's the thing about brown sugar. All right, don't be freaking adding brown sugar thinking it's going to add all these brown sugar flavors to your beer. <laughs> all right? Because brown sugar ain't crap in most cases. All right? Yeah. Now, there's brown sugar where they caramel color the crap back and Yeah, it's just some, white sugar with caramel color. Yeah, right, caramel color and a little bit of caramel flavor. Right? It's just pathetic. Now, if you're using, you know, very lightly refined sugar, Turbindo or certainly there's there's some flavor contribution there, but again, it's very minor. But at least it's better than the colored white sugar, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't fool yourself. You know, you're, you're buying all the stuff and doing all these things. You know, same thing with honey. You know, I got somebody who was uh, talking about adding one percent honey or one and a half percent honey to some beer. I'm like, just throw sugar in there. You know, the honey is going to do, you're not going to taste anything from the honey in one and a half percent. You know, just you go the cheapest possible, you know, plain sugar route, beet sugar, whatever. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to know the difference. Right. Uh, you know, and I, I think the same thing, you know, if you're dealing with brown sugar, you know, think about it for a reason. Um, you know, things like the uh, the darker, uh, you know, uh, Belgian candy sugars, yes, there's flavor. The yes. light candy sugar, you're fooling yourself. Just throw in sugar. Well, uh, if you're using the Belgian candy syrup, mm-hmm. which is, uh, that is actual semi-refined mm-hmm. sugar. So you're getting, you're going to get a lot more flavor out of that um, because it's, it's not been fully refined and then some color added back like some of the other solid forms. I mean, but they have those, you know, super clear sugars and it's made right. by cooking sugar. Right. It's made by cooking beet sugar. Mm-hmm. And you might as just well, it's it's made into a syrup. It's taken, they take beet sugar, they cook it into a syrup. They add water and cook it into a syrup. And you might as well just take beet sugar and throw it in your in your mash because they haven't cooked it enough to really develop the flavors. Mm. So it's, it's you know essentially the, the exact same thing. The other syrups they cook them until they become dark and black, and then right. you know those flavor developments. That's an important part, right? Uh, you know, and again, like on the brown sugars, they're taking a plain sugar and a lot of times just coloring it to make the brown sugar because they just process everything like like a you know a table sugar. Uh, you know, but there are sugars that are not processed as clean, and there are some flavors. So that's one thing you you, you can go for. So okay, just keep, we... just keep that in mind um, <laughs> when you're using these sugars. Don't don't listen to marketing hype. Just um, you know, think about what's in it that you're actually going to taste differently. You know, if you right. if you dissolve uh, brown sugar and table sugar <laughs> in a glass of water and and close your eyes and drink them both, and you can you know, and somebody hands them to you differently and you taste the difference, okay, well then there's a flavor difference. If you mm-hmm. dissolve uh, you know um, clear Belgian candy sugar and uh, table beet sugar and in water and somebody hands it to you, you can't taste the difference. That's because there's no difference. There's you know very little uh, flavor difference. So. Uh, you 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 can uh, you know save yourself some money by by doing that. So uh, just you know think about what you're adding to your beer and why. All right, uh, next question. Next question uh, again from the chat. chat. Uh, Belgian inspired. Very nice name. Oh. Uh, can you ask the boys an O2 question for me? I just acquired a medical tank, but I cannot find any good info on how long to use it. I have a regular. 
uh, excuse me, I have a regulator and an air stone. Uh-huh. I want to know how long to hit my yeast starters in my five-gallon batches. Right. That's a tough one. Well, all right. So we can't tell you specifically what you're going to need to do. It's going to depend on your stone, and it's going to depend on what setting you do on the regulator. Assuming you have a uh, medical regulator that will do like a half liter, uh, one liter, or you know, maybe quarter liter, half liter, one liter, you know, one and a half, two. Uh, you know that's that's a nice start because it's it's a good uh, controlled flow, and you can use that and time. Now, the only thing we can't tell you is, you know, how much exactly you're going to need. It's going to depend on how much yeast you pitch, what temperature you're at, when your work gravity, what flavors you're looking for. A lot of little details. So this is why you know Chris White from White Labs will say, well, it depends. It depends. Mm-hmm. Of course it depends. It depends on so many different factors. Yeah. Depth the, of the wort one. Right. Uh, in the fermenter geometry, if you're doing a carboy where it traps a lot of the oxygen on the top, or you're doing a bucket where most of the oxygen is you know, not trapped at the top, a lot of different things like that. The, the thing to do is measure, right? So you want to note uh, you know, what uh, rate you're flowing your oxygen. Let's say you start with a half a liter per minute. And you're doing a five-gallon batch, or you know, about a 19-liter uh, batch of beer, and you will, you know, take your centered stone, put it to the bottom, and you will run that for a minute. Now, <clears throat> there you've got, you know, various things that you're measuring. You got uh, flow rate, and you got time, and you're going to repeat every batch that you do forward from that. You need to do exactly the same way as far as you know, batch size and fermenter type and all that and, and you know, wort depth. And if you do that, you can start adjusting the time or the flow rate, not both, but the time or the flow rate, and you can get to the point where you get the best flavor of the beer. And that, uh, you know, the, the, the thing to watch out for for most people is, you know, go ahead and hit it with, you know, a bunch of oxygen. The thing you're, you want to watch out for is kind of a, a solventy alcohol character. Right. And that's probably, you know, that's a sign that you're going too much on your oxygen. Uh, you know, too little, it's not attenuating well, you're getting uh, various odd esters. You can also get, uh, you know, weird uh, solventy alcohols. So, uh, you know, when I do, you know, 19 liters, five gallons of uh, wort, I will do a half liter per minute, and I will do a minute uh, of flow. And that tends to be about where my beer works out with my pitch rate of yeast. Of course, you know, the pitching rate, you <laughs> yeah. know, determines whether you're using too much oxygen or too little. Uh, the, the yeast can take up, take up the oxygen and... Um, if you're pitching less or pitching more yeast, then that amount of oxygen may or may not be right. So you need to be following something like the pitching rate, pitching rate calculator on MrMalty.com, you know, and stick with those numbers just until you re, you understand why you should change those numbers. Just stick with those numbers. Stick with the oxygen. Stick with the temperatures. And you know, once you understand you know what's going on, then tweak one of those parameters and say, ah. I see what happens when I tweak this parameter. If you do that, you're on your path to making, you know, exactly the beer you want to make. Right. And you, you will be able to make, you know, perfect beer. Mm-hmm. Good summary. Why, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys should hang out more together. 
We do. <laughs> you know, on the poop deck of the uh, MS uh, Brew Strong, drinking mm-hmm. pina coladas. That's where we were last week. Sounds lovely. Yeah, uh, we held hands and everything. That's good. Uh, all right, here's another chat question from Intab. Uh, JP, could you ask him this question? I brewed a Belgian Golden Strong based on the Duvel recipe from the BYO Clone magazine. BYO. It's been aging for about two months now, and it still has a very strong alcohol smell and taste to it. Mm-hmm. Pitched at 65, let it rise to 80 over 10 days. Mm-hmm. Should I dump it, or will the hot alcohol flavor go away over time? OG was 1080, FG was 1008. Uh, hot alcohol is not going to go away. Right. I mean, you know, some of the alcohols will convert and change, but, uh, you know, hot alcohol is always going to help hot alcohol. And, you know, a lot of it, again, is um, pitching rate and oxygenation and, you know, that initial growth and things like that that, that affect that kind of fusel hot alcohol. Uh, you know, it's, and it's one of the things I hate most in, in high alcohol beers. You know, people brew beers and they they just don't. You know, they're just solventy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's it. Kind of yeah, tend to pour it out, or I wouldn't pour it. Uh, yeah, if you got the sto- if you got the storage pace, uh, you know, maybe someday. You know, give give it to your alcohol guzzling friends who like headaches. <laughs> yeah. And who doesn't really? <laughs> who doesn't have a set of those? You know, hanging around. Here, bastard, go away. Drink this. <laughs> uh, all right, let's uh, let's get another one in here. Uh, this is from Brada Crispy. Uh, I just noticed, I mean like right now, that the temperature probe has dislodged from my fermenter. My Saison, which has been gradually raised from 68 to 74 over the past week, is now at 80. Oh, should, my God. Should I just leave it there yeah. for the duration or yeah. drop it back to 76 and continue the continue the gradual temperature course it has been pursuing it's probably only been at 80 for less than a couple of hours i would just leave it at 80 yeah if, if it's for minute, especially respond. you've been going almost a week is that what he says uh, a couple of hours uh he said he's been going 64 or to 70 something to 70 for how many days so, uh, i don't think he said maybe here i erased it. let's see undo um over the past week so From he's going, been going for a week. Yeah, at the yeah. end of a week, goose it up to 80, 80-something, that's fine. Yeah. Um, the only thing I'd worry about is leaving it at that for a long time because right. you, you will get some yeast death and you will get, uh, you know, that that could be a problem. But, you know, you're good for a week at 80 and then, you know, it, it's going to be fully attenuated. Probably going to turn out to be the best beer you ever made. Mistakes like that happen. Yeah. It's odd. Yeah. You know? I think, you know, ramping that temperature up, wouldn't you say, John? Oh, yeah. Ramping, ramping temperature towards the end really, you know, can help with attenuation and cleaning up all the odd flavors that you don't want. Right. And right. all your alcohols and esters are already developed. Yeah, yeah. So the the important part of the fermentation at the beginning, he had nice and cool. Mm-hmm. And ramped up the end, yeah, he's fine. He's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you would keep it at the same temperature? Keep it at the same temperature for another week and then start, yeah. then keg it and condition it. Right, and, right. Or, I mean, chill it and yeah. give it a serve. Yeah, it'll, I bet you it turns out great. Send us a bottle. We'd love it. Yeah, please do. All right. Um, here's a good question that I thought uh, um, I thought was good. I liked it. It goes, uh, hi there, Brew Strong Monsters. I have a question. Uh, my wife and I have been brewing for almost 20 years. 
but have taken the last eight years off due to various circumstances. As we are getting back into this great hobby, I felt we have missed a lot of advancements. Can you give me some tips on the advances and changes to the processes that have occurred over the last eight to ten years? Hmm. Maybe that's a really big tip. Maybe that's a show. Yeah, you know, I saw that question in our uh, Bruce Strong at the Brewing Network.com uh, email, and I thought, you know, the one thing I would say over the, the you know, correct me if I'm wrong, John, but okay. the, the, the thing that I felt was really fundamental no, and instrument, no, no, no. <laughs> instrumental change in brewing knowledge over the last eight to ten years is fermentation. Yeah. And yeast and, you know, starters and things like that. Right. I would recommend he gets a copy of Yeast uh, by yeah. uh, uh, Homeboy and uh, Dogmeat. <laughs> it's available in the Brewing Network store. Yeah. No, I, I think you're right. I really think you're right. It's Fermentation is uh, – and yeast, yeast uh, management and fermentation has improved a lot. Absolutely. And that's, you know, that's your, that's your solution to, uh, you know, figuring out, uh, you know, what's changed over those years. Focus on fermentation because – that's the difference between commercial brewers and home brewers. Yep. Is you know fermentation, temperature control, pitching rates, and things like that. It's not work production. Work production is almost meaningless in that case. Yeah. All right. So another great Q and A show. If you uh, enjoyed this, uh, get yourself to thebrewingnetwork.com. Check out the store. Buy yourself a Brewing Network uh, T-shirt of some kind or a hat or something. Yeah, Bruce Strong. We got great Bruce Strong gear. We got uh, books by John and myself. Right. Pick those up, and you know the the vast majority of those profits go directly to the Brewing Network and keep pride, pro, the, uh, pro, uh, shows like this uh, on the air for you. That's right. Well, and don't forget, I know jujitsu, and I know a few other Japanese words. So don't mess with me. Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong, everybody. <laughs>